0: Have you ever wanted to start a podcast? Well, now it's super easy. All you need is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. So if you would like to start your podcast today, head on over to Anchor.fm/start to join myself and the diverse community of podcasters today. Once again, that is anchor.fm slash start to begin your podcast journey today. Welcome, welcome. We have survived for episode two of Demented Cast. I am Demented Gamer. We are running solo today. Actually, I was unable to get a co-host with me for this episode, but that's all right because it's just going to be a more intimate show between me and your ears. But before we start the show, I just want to thank everybody who listened to the first episode and shared it on their favorite social media platforms, and let you know we are on Spotify and Stitcher Radio, so consider heading over to both of those platforms and following this podcast and sharing it with your favorite family and friends. Favorite family? I I mean, you probably have your favorite family members and favorite friends, but whatever whatever we ain't we ain't doing this again however we are on spotify and stitcher so consider heading over we also have a facebook page at facebook.com slash demented entertainment i will be posting articles reviews and much more over there demented media is also on twitter at demented media you can also find me on twitter at demented gamer that is a six instead of a g Consider following and helping us grow Demented Media into something new. 2019 is gonna be the year of Demented. But that is enough self-promo. We're gonna jump into this Spider-Man talk because I I just want to gush about this movie. This is this is by far my favorite Spider-Man film to date. Um, I don't I don't see another Spider-Man movie topping this movie, um, even though. Jake Hall is going to be playing Mysterio, and Mysterio is one of my favorite villains from Spider-Man's uh, rogues gallery. There's, there's not a word in which I see something topping this for me. Uh, the entire time, this movie is just under two hours. It's, I think it was one, an hour and fifty-six, and that entire time watching this movie, I either wanted to jump out of my seat with joy or I just wanted to cry because of how how perfect they capture the Spider-Man character and how beautiful this movie looks. I mean this this movie is gorgeous. It uh it looks as if you were to be reading a comic book but each panel in that comic book were to come alive and be animated. It it looks incredible. The story is amazing and it's heartfelt and it's it, it's filled with um, a tale of just someone who who's not really a superhero. They just they're they're another person. They're they're a human being. They're not they, they have extraordinary powers, but they're human. They they want to help others because that's just who they are. They don't they don't want to gain anything from helping people, they just that's who they are. And because they have these superpowers, they're going to do so. And I'm gonna warn you now there might be spoilers. I will try to let you know before I say anything spoilery, but for the most part, I'm gonna to try to keep this spoiler free. Uh Miles Miles as a character is one of the best characters I've seen in a superhero movie in a while um I liked Black Panther and I liked Infinity War Thanos and T'Challa were both great characters my problem with T'Challa was he was very one-dimensional he didn't really want much in his story he kind of just went with whatever people were saying or he didn't he didn't ever provide anything new Thanos he He was a character, but he... You understood where he was coming from, but at the same time, he was very... This is my path. I'm going to do my path. Miles is someone, like most of us, who doesn't know who he is, where he fits in. He thinks he knows. He he has a place where he's like, No, this is me. But ultimately, he doesn't know. He... He just wants to live. He wants to be him. He wants to do these things that he enjoys. And one of those is tagging. He loves spray painting. You get a very nice moment with his uncle Aaron Davis. Who for comic book readers will know is the prowler. And we actually saw Donald Glover play Aaron Davis in Homecoming. But Miles is just another person who doesn't know where he's gonna go in life He just, he's living to the next day which is how most of us would like to live We, we a lot of us do want to just live for the next day we don't know where we're truly going but sometimes we're okay sometimes we're not with it we, we're just living and I think that really helps in a character in a movie because that really helps the audience identify with that character and the We see two different Peter Parkers in this movie. We see the Ultimate Universe and the universe we are going to... The universe Peter that we are going to stick with through most of this movie. Um, the Ultimate Universe Peter is... voiced by... Um, you know, I can't actually remember his name. Uh, we're just gonna move past it, but... Uh, We see the Ultimate Universe Peter, and he's perfect Peter Burr. He's perfect Spider-Man. He's loved by everybody. His life is going amazing. He's got all this. We see later in the film, he's got his own spider cave, as I'll call it, um, which is used to give a lot of nods to past Spider-Man comics and Spider-Man costumes, vehicles, it's a nice scene where you see like the Spider-Man um, buggy or whatever it is that's actually a toy, um, like a real life toy. But this Spider-Man's great. He he's married to MJ, he's he's got everything. He he's living life to the fullest extent he possibly can. And then you have your normal Peter that we spend all this movie with, almost all this movie with, who is down on his luck. But he's also Peter. He's that Peter Parker that we know. He's the one that I can't do anything right. I'm, I'm not good at this. But he puts on that Spider-Man mask. And he he excels. Or not really excels. But he, he finds himself under that mask. So you see that Peter. You also. We get to see the introduction of Spider-Gwen. Who is a fan favorite. I don't know much about Spider-Gwen, I did like seeing her though. She was voiced by Haley Steinfeld, who I I believe that's who's in the Bumblebee movie, correct me if I'm wrong, I 100% could be wrong. I think that's who that is, is Haley Steinfeld. Um, Nicolas Cage is voicing uh, Spider-Man Noir. Can't remember who voices the pig uh, Peter porker I think it is and then we get another she's each spider person has their own art style um, the other female spider person is in an anime style and she essentially gets into a mech that has the 42 spider-man or not spider-man the 42 spider embedded in that mech and so that, she gets in there and she becomes her version of Spider-Man. And watching all these different Spider people interact is special. It's something special. You get to each time they do their introduction, you watch a comic book comic book fall on the table, and you get these nice funny moments where they they go, okay, let's do this one last time, and. Which is a really funny, nice thing to say. Because we all know the story of Peter Parker now. We mostly know the story of how Spider-Man becomes Spider-Man. And for the most part, it's the same for most of them. Like, I got bit by a radioactive spider. Um, Penny Parker is the one with the mech. And she she's the only one that's not bitten by the spider. But her spider lives inside her mech. But you get these nice, fun moments where their comic book falls on the table and they're like let's do this one last time they're fun moments they uh they have a lot of nods to that character's roots in the comic books um of course this is heavily a miles story it's him getting his powers him learning how to become spider-man and in doing that you get a lot of fun moments with miles uh and a lot of heartfelt moments there was, there was a particular moment um, with the prisoner Peter we see all the time. who he's, he's looking out for Miles when he does it, but, and you can tell that Peter is really starting to care for Miles. He really cares about this kid. He wants this kid to be safe. He doesn't want him running into danger. He knows he's new at this. He doesn't know how to control his abilities. So he tells him, you have to stick back. And they all go without him to save the day. And when they do that, Peter gives him a nice conversation and tells him, Miles asks him, this is going to be, this isn't really a big spoiler, But if you really don't want to hear this, this could be a spoiler for you. So, skip ahead maybe 30 seconds. He tells him that to be Spider-Man, all it takes is a leap of faith. It is one of those lines that could come across as just bland and a throwaway line. But in the moment when he says it, it hits so powerful. Because it's one of those lines that can be taken and put into anything in life. Uh, You could very easily tell anyone, if you want to do this, all it takes is a leap of faith. And so that that was one of those moments in the movie where I didn't necessarily want to stand up and cheer or anything, but I, I really sat and just listened. And I took it in for a minute that Really, anything you want to do in life takes a leap of faith. You have to be willing to take that leap to succeed. Um, After that, you get a really nice moment with Miles' dad, and you get to see their relationship, which for most of the movie is kind of rocky. Um, They have the very fun moment that everybody's seen in the trailers of Miles' dad dropping him off at school, saying... You have to say it back when he says, I love you, you have to say it back. And it embarrasses Miles. And so, reasons like that and other reasons, um, Miles and his dad don't get along very well. But you get a very nice and heartwarming scene between the two of them. One of them can't talk for reasons. Um, If you watch the movie, you'll know. So you just get this nice moment of Miles' dad wanting to tell him how much he loves him and how much of a good person he is, which comes full circle later on at the end of the movie. And yeah, it it's just a really nice moment that kind of made me want to just get done with that movie and go call like my mother and my father and tell them like I love you and it was a very heartfelt moment and I that, that was probably my favorite scene in the entire movie is the scene between Miles and his father because Miles can't say anything to his dad for specific reasons so he just kind of has to sit there he listens to his dad and he puts his head against the door because his dad is standing on the other side, and his dad knows that Miles is mad at him, but he doesn't know that why Miles isn't talking back. He thinks Miles isn't talking back because he's mad at his father. Very, very nice scene. Um, what else with this movie? Uh, there's so, there's so much to it. Um, I think somewhere I want to end on with this is this movie pays so much respect to this character It it is a, it, it's like the writers of this movie wrote a love letter to the Spider-Man character and it captures the essence that Stan Lee and Steve Ditko wanted for this character um, you get one of in my opinion, one of the best Stanley cameos. And I am going to say what this cameo is. So if you don't want to know, skip ahead. Um, if you don't care about the Stanley cameo and having it spoiled, go ahead and listen. But this cameo shows Miles going to pick up a. After he gets bitten, he goes to pick up a. Halloween costume of Spider-Man and he goes to purchase it and Miles asks the cashier who is Stan Lee uh, what if it doesn't fit and you get a really nice message from Stan Lee who says it always fits and the camera kind of he or not the camera but Stan Lee kind of moves to the side and you see a sign that says no refunds no," uh, and whatnot. And so you get a little comedic area in it, but like, for me, I, Stanley went on record saying that Spider-Man was his favorite character because Spider-Man was the character that any kid could look at and imagine themselves behind that mask and say, look, I'm Spider-Man, I'm behind that mask. And so that line really gravitated with me for that fact I don't think it was really supposed to be just a 100% throwaway cameo I think they have Stanley say that for that reason and it's uh, it's it's really nice I think it's one of his best cameos he's done in a movie and I really really enjoyed it. But overall I would I, I'd give if I were to give this movie a, or a number score I'd say it's a 10 out of 10. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. I loved watching it. I can't wait to go see it again. Um, I'm one of those people I love buying physical copies of movies. Sometimes I'll, I'm will i okay with not getting it. This is definitely a movie I'll go and put on my shelf. Because it's... It, it kind of rejuvenated the Spider-Man character for me. And it just captured everything I love about that character. So yeah, Sp- that's me just kind of gushing over it. It was I know it was a bit choppy, but that was me gushing over Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse a bit. But I want to move into my second review of this podcast. And that is for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh This game came out in I think October I think for everybody it dropped October 5th but if you pre-order one of the special editions you got it three days early and so I had the game on October 2nd and I beat it last I am filming this on January 5th um, and I beat it Saturday what was that January uh, 29th uh it took me that long to beat this game. And that's because this this probably has the biggest map. I think this has the biggest map in Assassin's Creed game to date. It is way bigger than Origins. Um a lot of it is C, which for a lot of games is really easy to do when they do these big maps. It's very easy to here's your islands and then we're gonna fill a lot of this with water we'll just put little collectibles and stuff in the water to make it feel alive um, so it's a it's an easy thing for a lot of game developers to do and it makes a lot of sense but I don't it that didn't hurt the game whatsoever um, it actually it helped it in my opinion well it hurt and helped it and the reason I say that is this is a game that is littered with content. It has so much content. Um, it's, it's kind of overwhelming how much there is to do in this game. At times, I found myself just constantly going to my quest, uh, my quest area and just looking at the number of quests I had available And just going, I don't, I can't, I can't do all those. Um, I mean, I work full time, I go to school part time. Like, I I don't have that much time to play this game. I don't know when I'm gonna beat it. So, they, having a lot of content and hurts and helps it. More helps because I'd, I'd rather a game have too much than too little, personally. Um, the overall the gameplay is they after origins and they revamped the combat in origins which i fell in love with they took that and prevailed upon that they um they touched up on it the it feels a lot smoother um Dodging someone is a lot smoother. You can now perfect dodge, so if you dodge at the right time, it'll slow down. You can then have your moment to attack. If you need to, back, back up, wait, dodge again, attack. Um, You get a lot of special abilities too in combat. Um, The Spartan Kick is really fun. Um, I (laughs) I couldn't get enough of kicking people off the ledges sometimes it was really funny when you thought they were going to fall somewhere and they ended up falling like just maybe like two feet and you're like oh well oops but yeah the kick is really fun you can get abilities so your swords uh, become on fire or poison which is fun Um, there's a lot of abilities for your arrows so you get your um, like in origins, you had your predator arrow where it zoomed in and then you controlled the arrow, that was back, yeah, the perk tree, there's, there's a lot to play with and you can, no matter where you are in the game, you can always switch it out for a different perk if you want, you have perks so you can heal yourself in the middle of combat, which becomes very useful when you get into boss battles uh, I don't the naval combat made a return which I didn't like this naval combat naval combat as much as I did in black flag I feel black flag was a lot easier to understand this one felt very dull to me I don't know what it was a lot of people said it was better I didn't think so I think black flag still had better naval combat it was still fun however it was very fun I just think black flag's Naval was a lot better. But I, th- I think that's it for gameplay-wise. I don't... I can't think of anything really... Else that I liked about the gameplay. Um, the story, however... Uh, moving on to the story, however... Uh, it was good. It's not my favorite Assassin's Creed game when it comes to story. Uh, it was... You, you pick from Cassandra or Alexios. So you have a choice between man and woman. It doesn't really change that much about the story. It just flip-flops roles in the story. There's not much that changes. Um, that's really not even a spoiler. You just kind of flip-flop. Uh, if you play Alexios, Cassandra comes in at another point. Vice versa. I played as Cassandra. And uh, and the story is interesting. So, you're Cassandra. Um, you start out, she's on an island, she's working for. I don't, <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember the guy who's on the island. Of I think it's the island's name is Kefalonia, if I remember. Uh, I don't remember the guy's name you work for in the beginning, but you start out on that island. Um, you start out with people coming to beat you up. Who they work for a guy who's really pissed off at you. They come to either like beat you up or kill you or get money from. You. I I don't really remember. It was quite forgettable to be honest. Um, but that's where you start out at. You're a mercenary. They come. You beat them up well you have a choice um I however beat them up this game uh, introduces the idea of dialogue trees and they didn't really do a whole lot different with the story um a, a lot of times the dialogue trees are just there to get more information um sometimes you they change certain things or they um they get you to interact with certain people a certain way like you can either get people to really hate you you can get people to love you and you can have intimate relationships with that character and then you can you have the opportunity to lie to people and sometimes you can lie to them to protect them you can lie to them because you don't want them to know the truth for whatever reason um but for the most part those dialogue trees didn't really matter um sometimes they did uh it felt more of a testing the water uh i kind of just got off track there for a minute i was talking about something else and got into the dialogue trees but yeah Kefalonia is where you start um, when you fight those guys, it gives you the option to either kill them, tell them to essentially just piss off, or, I, I think there was an option to essentially just surrender? I, I could be wrong. Uh... But, you do that, um, I picked the option to beat them up, I killed them, and then went on to meet the guy you worked for in Kefalonia, you do a few missions on kefalonia that's essentially your tutorial island that's where you start learning the basics of the game you learn how to fight you learn your what each ability or learn how to use your abilities when you unlock them through the skill tree and so it's not until you get off that island that you start the true game and you start your odyssey and when you start your odyssey, it's because a man comes to you and tells you to go kill the, uh, what was he called? The Wolf of Sparta, who, spoilers, give a minute, spoilers, is your father. And so you go to kill the Wolf of Sparta, you get there, uh, you run into a Spartan soldier who says he's... The wolf's son. Uh, Then again, you get another choice with that. Once you prove yourself, you get to meet the wolf of Sparta. Uh, He reveals... Spoilers again. He reveals that he's not your real dad. And so that sends you on a bigger odyssey. And so then you start finding out about this cult you find that your mother is still alive Um, yeah you just start finding out all these different things the cult is after you and your family so you want to go find your mother to protect her um, and try to stop the cult Uh, the cult is essentially a proto if you've played the previous games they're the proto-templar Who, from the rest of the franchise, have been the biggest enemy of assassins. And so, the cult is proto-Templars. And your entire goal is to find your mom, protect your family, and erase the cult from the Greek world. And in doing so, you run into a lot of people. Uh, You run into Socrates, um... You help Athens. You also help the um, uh, Spartans. I lost my. I lost who you uh, fight for. Uh, you help Spartans. You help Athens a little bit. All in order to erase the cult. Uh, and that's another thing about this game is you get in your pause menu you can go and see all the cultist members. And I think there was, when you look at it, there's five in each branch and there was six branches, I believe. And so you have five cultist members and then the main cultist member of that branch. And so you have an outer circle that has five cultists for those branches you eliminate all five find the uh, find out who the head is of that branch you eliminate them get a clue for the what is called the eye of cosmos because they are the cult of cosmos so it's the eye of cosmos um, that the, tracking them down and killing all of them i wish was done a different way i would have liked to see there being a way to beat the main campaign without killing all of the cultist members um I do understand why they didn't do that but at the same time I would have liked it just so after you beat the game you can if you want to go back like you still have that to do but there's also still so much content in this game that it doesn't really matter um You get a fun... You get a fun uh, part of your odyssey where you find... Spoilers. You find Atlantis. You also meet someone there who tells you you need to bring four artifacts in order to secure Atlantis. Those were fun missions. Um, I enjoyed doing that. It's a... When you kill... You run into four creatures when you go hunt for these artifacts. You run into a Cyclops, you run into the Minotaur, you run into Medusa, and the Sphinx. Four of which are all Greek, myth, mytholo- uh, Greek mythological creatures. And for fans of the franchise, when you kill them, you get an Apple of Eden. And those are the artifacts you take back to Atlantis. so that After killing him, there's a fun little easter egg for the the Assassin's Creed franchise. And also, if you're into Greek mythology, it's a fun easter egg in general, because, look, here's Medusa, go kill her. Uh, That was probably the hardest one I did, too, was the Medusa battle. But overall, the main story is good. think it could have been a lot better I honestly I lost track a couple times during it because I forgot exactly where I was or what I was really trying to do just for the fact of it was a lot of it was just straightforward like oh okay I'm just running around I'm gonna try and kill all these people there there wasn't much else to it other than I want to kill all these people because they're gonna try and kill me and my mother and I don't want that to happen. So for that, I don't, I don't really, I didn't hate the campaign, but it wasn't one of my favorites. Um, however, Cassandra as a character herself is actually really fun. Um, some of the best moments is you, you're friends with this little girl from Kefalonia whose name is Phoebe. And some of the best interactions in the game are with her. Um, one of my uh, favorite things from Origins was how Bayek interacted with like children. He was this hardcore like assassin type. And then like he interacted with these kids and he was super nice. That's kind of how Cassandra was for me in my playthrough. Um, she just had that going for her, which helped But overall, the story was really... It was good. It was was decent. Um, I almost said it was really good. I meant to say the story was decent. The gameplay was really good. Uh, I really enjoyed the gameplay. It brought a lot of fun. Uh, I am looking forward to where this franchise goes next. Ever since Origins happened, I have... I loved Origins, and I love Odyssey. Uh, I was very critical about Syndicate and Unity and Black Flag and Rogue that I had been saying since Assassin's Creed 3, like, this franchise needs a break. They need to take a break and figure out where they want to go, and they did that, and we've gotten these last two games that have been amazing, and I think if you're someone looking in from the outside, uh, Origins and Odyssey are the best spots to pick up a franchise uh not only for the fact that their stories take place before all the other games but just it's a nice um refreshing game that takes a lot of elements from other open world games such as The Witcher and Metal Gear Solid 5 and just tweaks it and puts it on its own spin on it that it's it's just nice refreshing game to play and I think it's a good spot for a lot of newcomers to pick up in um I can't wait to see where this franchise goes next I'm really looking forward to it but that's that's all I really have to say on Odyssey great game um I'd say if I gave it a number score I'd say it's probably 8.5 out of 10 it's not a 10 out of 10 by any means um In my opinion, no game really deserves a 10 out of 10. There's no perfect game. But, yeah, I'd give Odyssey at least an 8.5 out of 10. I definitely recommend anybody pick it up if they're interested. Um, That's it for reviews on this episode. I I don't really have anything else to review. I haven't seen Aquaman yet. That'll probably be... Hopefully, that'll be episode 3. But, yeah, that's it. I want to jump into our first gaming topic. And this is about the recent announcement of Hitman Remastered. It's it can it's a 4K remaster. It's you can play it in 4K. Um, what was it? Let me bring it up real quick. The two games that it involves are Hitman Absolution and Hitman Blood Money, and it's 4K with enhanced visual or not uh enhanced lighting uh enhanced gameplay mechanics and i i couldn't be more excited um i love the hitman games i have always loved the hitman games Um, i have not i did not play the first hitman that they did that was supposed to kind of be like a reintroduction to the franchise um i have not played hitman 2 but the last hitman game i played was hitman absolution and i played that on my ps3 and that actually became my favorite hitman game um, i like the it, it had so many different choices to uh, accomplish your task you could change costumes and some of the costumes were just outlandish and ridiculous and like, why is that a thing but the fact that They had so many and so many different ways to kill your target really brought a um, sense of replayability to the game and not just a replayability of, oh, I want to replay it because I want to play it on hard this time and there's a new game plus mode. It's true replayability where I want to see if I can do it this way. I've heard this way is harder, I want to try it that way. Um, Not many games have that style of replayability nowadays. It's mostly because games have a new game plus mode. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to this Hitman remastered. Because it does have Absolution. And that was my favorite game in the franchise. Um, so I'll definitely be picking it up. I kind of just wanted to use this as a way to talk about my thoughts on remasters. And I want to say before I jump into that. If you agree or disagree with me. Tweet me at DementedGamer or DementedMedia, and we'll talk about it. Uh, you can also leave voice messages here on Anchor um, that you can send to me, and maybe in the next episode or a future episode I can get back to those and uh, kind of do like a conversation-style podcast episode. Uh, but my thoughts on remasters are I'm, I'm okay with it, for the most part, if it's a remaster like the recent Spyro remaster we've gotten which I have picked up and I've played a little bit of, not a lot but that kind of remaster, I'm all for Um, because the new new Spyro one looks incredible Uh, it looks absolutely amazing Um, remasters of like the last of us remaster i'm using air quotes right now but that one i like for stuff like that i don't i don't get it i don't like that's that kind of remaster is pointless in my opinion Um, especially because it happened what like a year after the game released that's not really a remaster that's just them wanting it on the new console so when it's something like that, I don't, I don't appreciate it. I really don't. Uh, but anything like the Spyro Remaster, the Crash Bandicoot Remaster, um, or what they're doing with Hitman, where they're actually improving it, uh, upping it so you can play in 4K, uh, in- uh, making the gameplay mechanics better, and just overall actually like increasing your Experience in that game, that I'm okay with. I'm just I don't like to see when they do something like they did, like PlayStation did with The Last of Us, where it came out on PS3 a year later. When the PS4 dropped, they're like, Hey, here's a remaster of Last of Us. So if you didn't play it on your PS3, play it on PS4. That's just a cash grab, in my opinion. Um, I'm uh, one remaster I'm actually very much looking forward to is the Assassin's Creed 3 remaster, which, if you bought the season pass for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you get for free when it drops, I believe, in March. Um, That's one I'm really looking forward to, because that's like the Hitman remaster, one where they're actually going back and um, enhancing the visuals, enhancing the gameplay style. Um, I believe you're going to be able to play that in 4K as well, don't quote me on that part, but I believe they have said you, you'll you be able to play it on 4K if you own a PS4 Pro or Xbox One. So, yeah, that that's my thoughts on remasters. As long as the remaster, there's a point to remastering that game, like Spyro Crash. For these games, we're probably never going to see a new Spyro or Crash game. And a lot of people want to replay those but they don't want to go out and find a PS1 or PS2 and then go find those games this is a way for them to relive that on their new console and now it looks great, it looks beautiful so, and if it's that kind of remaster I'm totally for it, 100% just don't make it $60 um, I think I think Spyro is okay at 40 I would prefer it be 20 to be honest, for a remaster, but overall, yeah, I think it's fine as long as, as long as it, it's, um, they do enough to it to warrant that remaster, and they don't make it, charge you $60 for it, and charge you as if it was a brand new game. I'm, I'm all for remastering games. Uh, it, it helps keep those games alive, very much so. That's it for remaster talk. Uh, I didn't really have much to say on Hitman remaster other than I'm looking very much forward to it. And most of what I just have to say about remasters in general is I'm okay as long as they do enough to warrant the remaster. Before I end this podcast, I just want to briefly touch on some uh, Overwatch stuff. This is probably where a lot of people might click off because it's Overwatch and a lot of people either stop playing Overwatch or don't care about Overwatch, but I kind of want to talk about like the state of Overwatch and I'm not going to really touch too much on the Ellie controversy, but I might, I'll, I'll speak on it a bit. As far as the controversy goes, I think it's just a little ridiculous, to be honest. Like, I get why people are mad, she, um, Ellie lied, she wasn't actually the one playing the game, uh, someone else was playing for her, I get why people are upset, um, I will never condone when people send death threats someone's way, um, that's not okay. There, there's no world in which you sending someone a death threat or de-doxing someone is the right thing to do. That's, that's really messed up. It can ruin people's lives. Um, we've seen multiple celebrities ha- uh, get death threats and be pushed away from social media because of it. So I, I'm not okay with that. However, I do understand where people are frustrated and a little angry with Ellie when it comes to her lying about playing the actual game. Um, I think they really should have made sure who they were signing to their team for Overwatch contenders before signing her. I get you're close to the cutoff date for signing people, but you need to make sure who you're signing. Otherwise, you get bad publicity like this. Um, But yeah, that's all I really wanna say on that situation. Like I said, I don't really wanna touch on it. It's been touched on so many other places. Um, I kinda just want it to be over and just move on from it. Uh, The other thing about Overwatch I wanna talk about is the state that Overwatch is currently in. And for me, Overwatch is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, This game has been out for two, three years now. Almost three, I think. Um, If you played any of the betas, obviously for you, it's been out a lot longer. Uh, But yeah, uh, it's been out for that long. Um, It's hit this area where... Part of it could be because I started school in 2018 and I got so busy and there were so many other games to play. Like when I started school, Spider-Man was coming out, Um, Assassin's Creed then came out, Red Dead is out, Um, Spyro came out. I'm trying to think of more games. Uh, There's a lot of movies that have come out that I really want to see. I have schoolwork, I have work, I have Demented Media. And so, Overwatch got pushed by the wayside, and normally when something like that happens with, it's happened in the past with Overwatch, but usually, like, I'd, I'd miss Overwatch, I'd, I'd really want to play it. But I think the reason I didn't really care as much now is because Overwatch is in a place of, I don't really know why I'm playing anymore. Um, the last event that they had was the Winter Wonderland event and nothing really changed in that event Um, same with the Halloween event their summer event Um, all they really did for their last anniversary event was here's a bunch of the old events from past or here's a bunch of old game modes from past events and you can get old event skins, emotes, sprays, and voice lines and stuff. But other than that, most of the events since the launch have all been the same. Same game mode, same everything. The only ones that haven't been the same have been there. The first year it was Uprising, second year it was um, Archives. Those are the only ones that have actually changed a fair amount other than that most most of the events have always been the same they're the same game modes um, nothing really changed also right now um, if you don't know much about competitive games like overwatch overwatch has what's called a meta and it's essentially what characters in that game are popular at the time and are best to play in the competitive modes and right now with Overwatch's meta where it is for at least me i play on ps4 and so Console meta is obviously gonna be a lot different from PC meta But for both metas from what I've heard both metas are kind of just stagnant um, You can really just play any character some characters are gonna be more valuable in a meta um, But right now it doesn't feel like any character prevails over the other it feels very stagnant and less fun than it did a year ago. Uh, Blizzard really needs to do something different with their events. Maybe this, maybe in 2019, instead of bringing back the Halloween Terror event and the Winter Wonderland event, do something completely new and different. Um, maybe have an event in September. Do an event in July. You can still do your anniversary event because that's, that's their big, like, we made it, where another year has passed, Overwatch is now 3. Um, you can keep that event, but maybe change the months that you have these events and change the event entirely, and do something new, do something refreshing. Um, give the add more heroes more frequently. That's another complaint I've heard a lot with Overwatch is the rate in which they add heroes. Um, A lot of people would like to see more heroes more frequently. Uh, I don't remember who said it. Uh, Someone a few years ago said that one of the things with a game like Overwatch is a lot of balancing has to happen obviously for characters. But eventually with a game like this, I think it was someone from the Overwatch team said, a lot of games like this, there becomes a point where you just end up with so many heroes that balancing is less of an issue because there's so many characters to pick from that everyone counters everyone, and there's always a setup that consists of each hero. Um, So I think they really need to change up their plan for this year to bring back Overwatch into the mainstream. Like it, had, like it was two years ago, or a year ago, um, and get more people engaged, uh, do more animated shorts, more comic books, just do things that really get people excited to play, because I wasn't, I was never really excited to play during the Winter Wonderland, I really wanted skins, but to get those skins I'd have to play this game mode, and this game mode, and I wasn't very excited to play that game mode. I was just, alright, I gotta do it because I want the skin. So, do do new and refreshing things that get people excited for uh, the game. But I think that's where I'm going to wrap this episode up. I don't have much to say on, much more to say on Overwatch. So I think this is where I'm going to wrap up the episode. I appreciate anyone who came through and listened. I ask that you go follow me on anchor.fm slash dementedmedia. Um, go follow us on Spotify and Stitcher radio. Follow me at demented at demented gamer on Twitter at demented media on Twitter. Um, go follow the Facebook page, facebook.com slash demented entertainment for news and updates. Um, But yeah, that's all I have to say. Good night.